Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Over the Bar podcast, your home for all things U.S. soccer. As always, we're going to keep this light like two friends hanging out, talking USMNT over a bar, over a couple over, over beers, excuse me, as you can see, over a couple beers already. No, um, as always, I'm your host, Noah. I've got Sumer with me here today. Bit of a special episode today. Um, episode two of our weekly roundups. We haven't quite figured out a name for it. We're, we're thinking the Nat Tracker. So, you know, if you guys like that one, hit us up on Twitter, let us know. But episode two of our weekly roundups, talking about this past weekend, uh, Saturday and Sunday, the 19th and 20th. Going to do that briefly. And then uh, we're going to hop in, kind of brief the MLS season, talk about some young guys who we might want to, to, to look out for breaking onto the stage in this next upcoming season. So, Samir, I'll turn it to you first, man. How are we doing? What is up, Noah? Um, doing well. Doing fine on this lovely Monday night uh, off of President's Day weekend. Yeah, man. Uh, there was a lot of action this weekend, as well as, you know, I'm super excited for the MLS season start, starting back up. Uh, big MLS fan. Just love watching it. Just, you know, seeing the growth of some of the players. Um, so I'm excited to talk about some key players that we could see from, you know, performing very highly this, this season. Definitely, definitely. Glad to hear you're doing well. Glad to hear you're able to watch some soccer this weekend. Uh, let's just jump right into it, right? Starting off with, with Friday's games. Uh, not many people played on Friday, but obviously two of our bigger players in Weston McKinney and Tim Weah did make slight cameo appearances in uh, their respective draws and their respective divisions. Anything stand out to you about those two guys and the way they played that game or, or no? I mean, Tim Weah, you know, was substituted at the 27th and came on really early. Um, it was a nil-nil draw game. I thought he played okay. You know, as usual, his off-ball movement was strong, but, um, you know, nothing nothing particular. It was exciting in that game, really, at all. Yeah, not much is going to ever happen, I feel like, in a nil-nil draw. So, obviously, not much, not much in terms of highlights to talk about for Tim. Uh, West McKinney showing, I think, what's, what's interesting about this game is West McKinney starts on the bench, Juventus lose. I don't think that's much of a coincidence. Look, Allegri's come out and said basically that Weston McKinney is his best player right now for Juventus. And it's hard to argue that there is a, a, a better player on form in Doc Gaff right now. So it's kind of baffling to see him left on the bench in, in you know, a derby game for Juventus. Big game against Torino. And Weston's not starting. And I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, I mean, the fact that he subbed them all on the 45th shows that, you know, he, he thought quickly. Or was it not the 45th? He came into the 53rd. Oh, he didn't come straight in. Still, it was, it was just pretty early on. Though, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was just after. Um, yeah, I mean, he went with the Zachariah, Locatelli, and Rabiot midfield. And um, unless there was something else that we missed in terms of knack or knock or whatnot, I, I fully expected him to start this match, but um, didn't. Yeah, I, it's weird, man. But um, let's get on to, to some of the guys who did play. Um, Saturday, busy busy game, busy schedule for our boys in the Prem. Christian Pulisic looked very good for Chelsea over the weekend. He seems to have been a different player since coming back from, from the, the last national team break. Uh, looks really, really good. Looks bright. Looks incisive. The Christian Pulisic that I think we were all missing a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to move too fast on this, uh, if I'm being fairly honest. I, I've been seeing a lot of hype around it, and, you know, I'm happy to see that uh, he does look a little, a little bit more lively. 
you know, he does look a little bit more uh, on the ball, but that's, I feel like in these last two games, especially in this last game against Crystal Palace, he was being played a little centrally as like a 10. Um, I love it. I think it's great. I, I love it. And he's getting on the ball a lot. Um, I still not seeing, you know, the end product um, that right. you know, I would want to, would want to see from him, but yes, it is nice to see uh, him, you know, one playing two looking a little bit more lively on the pitch and three getting on the ball more. Will the rest come? I believe so. Right. And that's, that's, I think we have to, to remember and what we all have to remember in some of these, in these situations where we've got guys playing and, and, you know, the goals and assists aren't necessarily coming. Christian Pulisic is a guy who we know he can do it and Chelsea know he can do it. And, and by do it, I mean, provide goals and assists. And so it's going to come and, and it's about patience and every player is going to go through these, these bits of form. And I think the bigger thing for me is, is seeing him play and, and seeing him play confidently. Maybe it is about a central thing, right? Because we see that with the U S he likes to come in central a lot and, and maybe setting him up more centrally is, is somewhere that, that Greg could really, cons- that Greg could really succeed with Christian. Now, I think that would require a change of formation, obviously, because I don't think Christian can, can settle into any of, any of the midfielders that we have right now and, and can't really play in a traditional box-to-box midfield role. But a change of formation to see Christian Pulisic somewhere as a, as a 10 or a second striker really might, might be beneficial to his style, but maybe we'll see that when we, when we really need it at some point. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I could totally see it. I could totally see him thrive in that position and, and uh, you know, it'd be awesome to see him on the ball driving at defenders way more often than we already do. And um, we'd have to have a little bit of change of formation. If we were to do something, you're right. It's tough to, who are you taking out, you know, in the midfield or, And okay, if you don't want to take anyone out, that's fine. Add him to the midfield, go to a four, uh, and then we're going with two strikers. So you giving me what Jossie and and uh, and P Fox? <laughs> I'm kidding, but and more like Ricardo and I mean, yeah, I guess then you lose the wingers a little bit. Then you lose the wingers unless you play him as a false nine, which like you know I don't know that doesn't right. Work. And that's an argument that I've seen. I don't think playing up top by himself is is the strongest for Christian. I, he's not a player who's very good back to goal. Like you said, his strengths are driving at defenders and either dishing or beating a guy. I would like personally to see the U.S. play with three at the back. Your wingers could be wingbacks or they could be, you know, more traditional wingers. You, you could play, you know, Anthony and Desk. You could play Wea as a white, as a wide right wingback. You could play Wea as a striker with Pulisic as a second striker. Basically, in this setup, Christian Pulisic is playing as almost a second striker, a withdrawn 10. I, I think it would be a perfect position for him. And then you don't lose anything from the midfield. And personally, I can struggle to see a downside with it. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, you just have to make sure you have um, the wingbacks that you want. And, you know, it's important to, to figure that out. And if it is the defensive players, they if he does go with Anthony and Desk, uh, we do lose, you know, one attacking winger on the field, probably, you know. Right. There'll be there'll be someone out. Um, so it's just tough to see where he puts him. I'd love to see him at the 10, but I I, I don't know what I want to see around that because right. no, it's, I hear it's, that. It's, it's tough. But uh, moving on from him, I know you watched a little bit of the next prime guy, a little Sargent action uh, against Liverpool. How, how, do you, how do you look there? Josh Sargent. Um, I mean, so he... 
he looked good. He looked bright. He was substituted, I believe, around the 70th minute. Um, Norwich were actually 1-0 up at that point, but the, the goal that they scored was fluky, to say the least, in terms of how it actually ended up in the back of the net. Uh, but that being said, Josh Sargent, absolutely world-class assist to uh, to create that goal. <laughs> now, it was, a, it was a five-yard back pass, but look. It doesn't get better. It does well. not get better than this. I mean, the execution on his pass to, to Milot Rashica, Okay, oh. wasn't was impeccable. It's gorgeous. All right, and and if it's Greg does not give him the ball five yards away, ah, it was just stunning. And if you and if you and if you watch, if you watch right after, if anyone wants to go watch Josh Sargent's goal against Norwich, uh, if you watch right after he passes it, he points, he points in the direction that Milo Rushika should take this ball, and he tells him go this way. Mm. And what does he do? He goes and he shoots. And I mean, what a finish by Matip here! Like this, this is just ridiculous. The way he oh. opens up his hips and 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 deflects the ball into his own net—that's beautiful. This was a world-class goal on so many levels. <laughs> a question, actually, about this. So, does Josh Sargent get an assist for this? Right, because like I'm talking yes. like on the Prem scorebook. So obviously, he he does make the final pass to Rashiska, who shoots. The ball was, or the goal was officially given as a Joel Matip own goal because Rashid's shot was not on target. So, does Josh Sargent get the assist? That is harsh. That is harsh. Did they not give Milo that goal? You're kidding. No, I'm I don't pretty, think they, they, had they did. I don't believe they, they did. I, or at they least in, when I was watching it the first time, I was like, that. there's no way because that ball They was did. Tough. Or Microsoft Bing currently says, yes, he has the goal in the 48th minute. Oh. Well, then, actually, that's cool. Uh, that actually means Rashiska, Rashiska, excuse me, is the first Kosovo player to uh, to score in the Prem. So, a little bit, a little bit of history there. But, um, yeah, Josh Sargent, look what he did do well in on that assist. Obviously, he he picks up a long ball, takes a pretty poor first touch, but manages to get it back under control and does really, really well to drive at the defense, drag players out of positioning before being able to turn and find receipts guys. So, I mean, look, it's going to go down as a five yard assist back pass, but so much more went into that play and kind of typifies what Josh Sargent is all about these days, both for the U S and for Norwich, great movement, great work rate and, and knows where the space is to drag other players into. Maybe it doesn't always come to him after that, but he knows he's a very good runner off the ball. Yeah, bro. I mean, forget the forget the joking. Like, yes, he, you know, the run he made, the space he got. Okay, the poor touch, obviously, like you said, but he did a really good job once he got that ball. Yeah. In in a position in the final third to you know take space a little bit, beat Matip, uh, and then continuously still drive, take space. Now at this point, he's in the eighteen yard box, about you know twelve yards away from goal, you know, creating creating a much more dangerous situation and taking a team up the field, and boom. So, yeah, and to discredit the amount of playing time that he's had in the Premier League, mm, a, a league that a league that many call the best in the world, you know, maybe he's not playing to the standards of some, but I'd have to, you know, think that that's a little bit more than what Jossie Zardes can provide playing in MLS. Right. And, and Sar- so Sargent I've seen is playing. Yeah. I've seen a lot about this lately. Um, people, you know, having these conversations about some of our younger guys who are going over and maybe not doing as well as they would be if they were sitting here tearing it up in the MLS, right? 
let's let's be clear about one thing. An 18-year-old to 20-year-old is not going to look world-class all the time unless they are absolutely world-class, looking at Kylian Mbappes and, and Erling Hollands of the world. They're not going to look world-class all the time in the best leagues in the world. That's not how this works, right? And and I, let's also not be deluded and say that Josh Sargent is on that level of the Hollands and the Mbappes. He's not. He's not a world-class player. He doesn't have that kind of ceiling, but he went over to Europe. And is, is making moves and is getting playing time. And that speaks for so much. Josh Sargent would be a 20-goal-a-season player in the MLS. Let's, let's make no doubt about that. So the fact that he's just going over and testing himself. And you could say the same thing for Pepe. You could say the same thing for Joe Scally, right? These guys might not be getting all of the numbers that we want them to get. But the fact that they're playing and in the systems over there and are trusted by these top level managers in a top level league. I, it says so much about them. And, and that's what we really have to be focusing on too. Yeah. And I'm not trying to say just because always someone's playing and they need to be called up because, you know, that's not always the case, but with someone like Sergeant, I feel like he's been at least lately um, been exiled a little bit too harshly. Like, okay, fine. And, you know, not calling him up once or something, but if he doesn't get called up in March, um, you know, that'll be a little bit running with no, with no call-ups. And then we have what coming nations league and the world cup basically. So, um, you know, I just, I think he's still a really quality striker that could do a lot for us. He's what scored seven goals, I think, or something like that. Five goals and like 19 caps, not terrible for a guy who is still, you know, really young. And most of his appearances were when he was 18, 19 and 20. So I just think he, should still be a, a part of this national team and an integral part, not integral, but a part of this team for sure. Absolutely. And the fact that he's not, the fact that he's not at the moment, um, I don't, I don't think it's right. Yeah, no, I, I, I can't help but agree. Um, yeah. There's something to be said, you know, about putting up numbers at this level and about playing consistently at this level. Uh, talking about a guy who's kind of in a similar situation who had another good weekend John Brooks, switching over to the Bundesliga here. Um, John Brooks had another great game. They Wolfsburg did end up losing to Hoffenheim. Uh, but Brooks played another solid 90, was really good at, at, you know, stepping up and breaking up attacks. I think it was just one of those games for Wolfsburg where, you know, if you're under the cosh for so long, eventually you're going to to, to fold and break. And, and you can't really fault John Brooks too much for that one. But had a great game, put up good numbers. His distribution, every time I watch John Brooks, just it, it adds something new. And it adds something that we don't currently have in the U.S. player pool right now from a center back position. And it just makes me smile every time I see it. Yeah, I mean, I love John Brooks. I think he has so much value to this U.S. men's national team. His experience, do we all forget his goal against Ghana in 2014? I mean, I, I think I, I lost my mind. Oh, it was um, incredible. And I'm not just saying, I'm not meaning that's the reason he should be called up, but I'm saying he has hell of experience, hell of experience. And he's a player, you know, with this young team who I would much rather uh, mentor them than other players. Uh, no offense to sure. the, you know, some players on the, on the team, but you know, he, he, yeah, he played really well. He had, you know, it was five for 11 with his long balls. That's 45% accuracy. That's, you know, 
yeah, I love the way he plays sometimes. I think he can be a major part of our defense. Yeah, does he struggle sometimes in space 1v1? Okay, sure. Um, every, you know, we're not, we don't have the world-class defenders that should be perfect at everything. Right, um, right. And he's not. But again, yeah, like you said, he brings something He brings something different. And, I mean, for me, it's, it's those long diagonals. I mean, 45% might not sound like a lot, but when you're a center back playing 60-yard passes, 45% is pretty dang good. Exactly. And I, I, yeah, I love, I rate him very highly and, you know, I think he should be someone hundred percent called up in March. Mm. You know, he adds, he adds so much to this team. Did you see um, what Kevin Paredes had to say about him too? How mm. John Brooks was instrumental and in like helping Kevin adjust to life at Wolfsburg and, and, you know, be really being a leader on and off the pitch with him. Bro. When did anyone say before this whole exiled Burhalter thing that Brooks was a bad guy? Everyone knows that he, you know, He's a down-to-earth guy. Doesn't talk too much. You know. Yeah. You know. Definitely leads by the leads in the locker room and is a great guy with the players. And you know, this was this was all like you know common knowledge to many U.S. men's national team go-getters. And then all this happens with the U.S. and it's like, wait, is he it, a bad guy? No, I don't get it. No, two bad performances. He didn't change. Two bad performances, and we're and we're questioning his character. Like, not no 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 no. John Brooks and is, his form. Form is one thing, but it doesn't translate to to character and leadership and attitude problems, which is the exact words that were used by, by Greg, you know? So I, I don't get it personally. It doesn't make any sense to me, but. Yeah. I'm still waiting for the Kevin Paredes debut. Um, uh, yeah. You know, I, uh, you know, I don't, I don't understand what's taking so long. But yeah, wait, this was a tough game. Okay. But I mean, like last week they, they had, what were they were up like four, one, three, one. He, he couldn't get a cameo in the 89th. Yeah. He was going to make them score three goals. Huh? I never understand that. Like, I understand, like, if, you know, at certain points, if you think they're going to be a liability. But when you're up 4-1 in the 89th, it literally means nothing. You could just give this guy his debut and maybe it'll, uh, you know, you know, maybe it'll spark something in him. But, you know, they'd rather just keep the 11 on there for the final 30 seconds. I just don't understand it sometimes, but whatever. Yeah. I'm sure he'll I'm sure he'll be good. Don't forget right, that Timothy too. Chandler played. I just want to say Bundesliga, while we're on the topic, Timothy Chandler played t- this weekend. Timothy you know, Chandler start started for Frankfurt, you know, in a one nothing loss and got substituted in the 82nd. I don't know a damn how he played, but just want to point no, that I, out. I'm not particularly focused on Timothy Chandler as somebody who should be back in the US MNT picture, but it is good to see. I mean, look, any American playing abroad is a guy that I'm going to root for. So, um, speaking of one of those guys, Tim Ream did play for Fulham as well as Anthony Robinson did. did. Uh, both lost, obviously, because they both played for Fulham, uh, lost 2 1 to Huddersfield Town. However, that's not the big storyline from uh, from that Huddersfield Town versus Fulham game. Maybe I'll save this storyline for our spooky players because I was going to bring bring uh, bring the bigger storyline in for my spooky player. But um, we'll, we'll we'll talk about that when we get there. Anthony Robinson basically looks really good uh, for for Fulham despite the loss. He's just a solid player, and, and getting minutes in the championship is is. I wonder if that's his level, but you know we'll see with him. I mean, were, did you catch the game? I caught bits and pieces of it. Yeah, I, I wasn't, I wasn't able to catch the game, but um, I saw the result and saw some, some takes on it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I personally don't think that he. I mean, I do think that he can, you know, be higher than than the championship level. Um, that he can be a Premier League, um, you know, fullback at some point. So, yeah, I'm always happy to see, continually see them playing, um, and to hear Anthony playing well is always positive. You know, he's definitely our starting left back at the moment. Oh, at the moment, for sure, for sure, for sure. 
Um, other happenings from Saturday, not not too much. A lot of guys kind of left on the bench or left out of match day rosters for whatever reason. Um, Luca De La Torre left out of the match day roster for Heracles. Alex Mendez left on the bench for Vizela in Portugal. Just guys that we've talked about before and, and, and haven't really been doing too, too much. Um, Sebastian Soto, your spooky player from last week, got off the bench for Livingston, had a couple minutes. Um, was that his debut, do you know? I'm pretty sure that was I, – I think it was his debut. I don't, I don't know how he would have played before that. But, yeah, you beat me to it. Um, Soto boy, Real Salt Lake Academy product, if anyone didn't know that, Sebastian Soto. Um, yeah. Came on for Livingston in, in their uh, 1-1 draw versus St. Mirren in the Scottish Premiership. So, you know, maybe this is, a, you know, some good playing time, some good experience. I mean, the Scottish Premiership is it's not the greatest thing in the world, but it's also not the worst. You know, it is a quality top of European League. So, you know, excited to see if he can make something of this. I don't care if it's for Livingston. What if he scores against Celtic and then scores the next week against Rangers? Like, that's, goals are uh, goals are still- goals are goals, man. As far as I can see it, goals are goals, and playing time is playing time when you're when you're playing at, at a high level. So, you know, maybe Sebastian's a guy who can who can make his way back into the US MMT fold. Uh, he had a couple call-ups back late last year, scored a couple goals actually in a friendly. Um I haven't really seen too much of him since. He brings something different. He's he's kind of a goal poaching striker, and, and that might be something we need in this roster, honestly, at the moment, with with how we're struggling to score goals. Um, we have somebody. We do. We do. We'll get there. Jordan. Yeah, we can talk about Jordan now. Um, no, we, we can save him. We can save him. We, we, well, let's finish off Saturday. You know, right. I, I was just going to mention, obviously, Jogo played and uh, looked good. And, you know, obviously, it's Real Sociedad too, Jonathan Gomez. Um, but you know, he looked good, um, and already starting to, the playing time after transitioning, what that's probably been there a month now, maybe less a little bit more, think, even less than, you know, so happy to see that Brian Reynolds getting another 90 for KV Kortvik. I don't know how the hell to pronounce that, but, yeah, it's uh, Kortvik. No. Kortvik. Kortvik. it's like there's the Y mixed in there, I think. So it's like, but even though there is no Y, it's like a, it, I don't oh, okay. know, it's some Belgian thing. Um, yeah, we had, Dutch, we had two Belgians. What yeah, two bel two Belgian right backs playing this weekend? Kyle Duncan also got on in the seventy third. Um, Good for Kyle Duncan, man. Good for Kyle Duncan. I haven't heard much no. about Kyle Duncan in a long time. Yeah. Um. I mean, he's you know after his move, he's he's actually just been continuously playing. He's been getting good minutes there. Um. Okay. So the Belgian league. I'm kind of sad though that we weren't able to see any Marlon Fossey flips this weekend, even though he did play ninety. But just wanted to point that out. But yeah, it's kind of Saturday. That kind of wraps up Saturday. Um, moving on to Sunday. Now, obviously, we had two U.S. guys who were hopefully going to go head-to-head in the Valencia versus Barcelona match in, in Serginho Des for Barcelona and Yunus Musa for Valencia. Unfortunately, Musa was left on the bench for that game and ended in a 4-1 win for Barcelona. So... You know, Musa on the bench and you lose, similar to a Weston McKenna situation. I mean, you know, just, just pointing out connections here. Interesting to note, Musa on the bench and they lose. So Coincidence? I think not. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, Des played really well, though, I will say. Yeah, bro. He, he, he looked did. dangerous down that, no, left, he looked, down that right-hand side. He looked side. good on the ball. I saw him coming. I saw him cutting in and playing a little bit more inverted at times and and getting on the ball more um, and, you know, being able to, I don't know, just occupy some dangerous space yeah. and get the ball. So 
I don't know. I kind of liked that look. They were t- like, actually, seriously, there was a good amount of times where I saw him, you know, come inside and I was like, it worked out. And, you know, the movement and passing and whatnot triangles. Um, Aboumiang with the hat trick in that game, you know, um, kind of nice for him. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you saw it. that game. The last goal giving it to Aboumiang is just an, an absolute oh, yeah. shame. Oh, um, yeah. That's Pedri, terrible. I Pedri forgot. struck it from about 30 yards <laughs> out and it took the smallest glance off Aboumiang. Didn't change the trajectory at all, but. I haven't seen the – I mean, I watched the replay of the goal, and I saw that they called it for um, Aboumiang, but I didn't uh, – I didn't see the deflection. They, like, glanced off his back. Like, it wasn't – it <sighs> hardly changed the trajectory, but because it hit him. Wow. Uh, yeah, no, it's unfortunate for him. But Dest <laughs> – look, back to Dest. You're right. I, I saw a lot in that game of him kind of playing almost as – an inverted like center mid role. He wasn't creating a lot of width on the left-hand side, but he wasn't really asked to. And that to me is something that I find really fascinating when looking at how he's asked to play with the U.S. and when looking at Dest's strengths, right? With the U.S., Dest is asked to play very wide on the right and to whip in crosses. And I think we're continually seeing with both his performances for the U.S. and with how he's being utilized when he plays for Barcelona, that that's not really his strength. Dest is not a great crosser of the ball, but what he is is a very good link-up player in tight spaces cutting in from the right. Yeah. I don't really know. Go for it. No, I was just going to say it's funny because, um, you know, when Greg first started, his whole thing was the inverted right back. And that's why Tyler Adams was playing that. Do you remember? Vaguely. Yep. I do. Yeah. That was kind of, and we were all like, dude, get Adams out of there. Like put him in his natural position. And it's funny now that, you know, the, the other day, you know, or just this weekend, Adams looked, uh, sorry, uh, Dest looked good being a little bit inverted in that, in that yeah. role. Um, so, you know, I was so happy to see it and it looked really unique and really cool. Um, I was like, you know, Javi said he's at a different level right now, which is awesome to hear who's, you know, he's not, I don't think Javi's going to necessarily lie about that. He's been pretty cutthroat about death at times. Um, so yeah, very happy to see that. And it makes you wonder how exactly should we use him? And um, I'm just, and I'm not necessarily saying change everything, but I hope the coaches are looking at this as a potential, like right. you know, there might be other ways to use him. Right. And it's, and it's, it's, it's more like maybe not, Maybe not a complete overhaul, but but hopefully from a Greg perspective, being able to recognize, okay, what are the strengths of your players and how are you using them like that, right? Death's strength, one of Death's strengths is not crossing, and yet he is asked to do that. And so hopefully, you know, maybe something like that, a small technical change, that could be something that's on Greg's radar. But um, Bundesliga, Bundesliga Sunday, gotta love the Bundesliga Sundays. I did love the Bundesliga Sunday watching the Dortmund and Mönchengladbach game. I loved that for about 20 minutes. And then pain, 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 pain. Gio Reyna started so brightly for Dortmund and then came off after about 22 minutes of an injury. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I was, I, you know, funny enough was like crazy busy on Sunday and then all of a sudden realized I had missed like the first like 10 minutes of the Dortmund game and pulled it up on my phone as I was on vacation and was just watching it live. And I was just like, Oh bro, like, are you like, I was so distraught. I was like, no, 
please no. Like that is not what I wanted to see. Um, I'm Bruins glad to hear. To be I'm honest. glad to hear. I'm glad to hear now that you know it doesn't sound like it's too serious. Um, nope. But but the fact is that two weeks takes him to two weeks from today would take him to March seventh, and that's if everything goes 100 percent well, right? That's if right. everything's right. right, and we're we're approaching really soon there um, March call ups and. I think that's still very much in question whether it's or not he, he gets it. called up. It's going to be pushing it, and I think mostly too, right? Because if we're looking at this as an isolated two-week injury, I would say, yeah, he'd still be in contention. But it, this is a two-week injury compounded with the six-month injury that he just had, right? So he's played two games of soccer between the last time he, he played and, and this injury. So it's going to be pushing it to get him in the March qualifiers, which is just a shame. I, he brings something so different to this team when he plays. And ah, it, it just, it's a shame. And that, that's really all there is to say about it. Um, yeah. On to some more positive news in the Bundesliga. Tyler Adams, short cameo off the bench in a 6-1 demolition of Hertha Berlin. And he got an assist in that game. Good for Tyler. I mean, you know. Great to see him playing. I don't know if anyone saw the goal by Amadou Haidara. I forget how to pronounce his last name. Haidara. Um, but, you know, very similar to, to Josh Sargent's impeccable pass. This, you know, got the ball at the top of the 18, saw Amadou to his right, made a beautiful five-yard pass with the perfect amount of weight on it. And hey. Amadou, Amadou just rips it from, you know, it looks like 23 yards, 22 yards. Woo! But, like, hey, do not. They don't ask how, it. they ask how many. Whew, the pass, though. Yeah, exactly. The, tur- the, the touch, turn, and boom, five yard pass, the perfectly weighted. The vision, he knew he was there. He was like, you know what? I've got my guy. I'm gonna play it to him. He's gonna score. No, but I mean, look, I, I was I was half joking when I said it, but really, they don't ask how. They ask how many, and and yeah, assist or assist or assist. And he generally looked good when he came on that game. Um, wasn't really asked to do a whole lot of defending, as as Leipzig were up pretty handedly, I believe, by the time he came on. But. Mm-hmm. Hey, yeah, they were they were top level. Yeah, it was only it was only 10 minutes. You know, he came on in like the 80th. Uh, I'm pretty sure. So, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, he still seems to be playing a good amount for them. I think didn't he play against Sociedad as well? He did. Um, he did. In yeah, the, in the so, Europa League. Yeah, did he start that match for them? Did he start against Sociedad? I believe he also came on off the bench again in that game. But I can check right now. Oh, no, he started. He started that match. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I thought. So, yeah, I I mean, it's going to be hard for Tyler Adams, to be honest, in my view, no matter kind of how he plays, unless I see a severe drop-off, for him to lose his spot with the USMNT. Um, Tyler is a very strong, you know, center defensive mid, cleans up everything, as we know. And, you know, the day that he starts to um, work on his diagonal long passes, he should have some training with uh, John Brooks. They should go out for coffee or something. I'd love for him to you know, pick his brain, um, but then he'll become you know even even crazier because yeah, Adams has the defensive qualities, and you know right. we it's the how can we can we add another creative midfielder that now we're well, now we're flying right now right. this guy can do both and and not even like creative really I just think I think he just in general distribution is something that he has to work on right and if it does become those those forty yard spray passes I mean great that's a, another thing we've added to our our repertoire. Uh, for the U.S., but I, yeah, just in general, distribution is something I would like to see Tyler get a little bit better at. So, hey, maybe assists will, will spark some of that confidence and, and get him rolling. 
Yeah, I mean, I will say against Sociedad, he was three for three on accurate long balls. Yeah, he has his he has his games and they're good. You know, but it's hard for them to show everything with the United States national team, right? Because you know they play such few games, so they were uber critical on them. You know, right. um, you know, whereas in the club, in with the club, they could play four games and in two of the games, you know, perform well, and you would think differently about them maybe after right. four games. So uh, I'm not to say he's bad with his distribution. I mean, I just with the U.S. men's national national team, I would love to see a little bit more of Correct. his Correct. distribution skills. Definitely. Um. Moving on, a couple of performances to note in, in some of the other leagues. Uh, Eric Palmer-Brown played a full 90 – or did not play a full 90 minutes, excuse me, uh, for Troy's against Sudran. Uh, did not end very well for him or the team. Troy's lost 4-1, so not much to dwell on there, but just a, a performance to note, an appearance to note. Um, sticking with, with Ligue 1 in France – Conrad De La Fuente did not feature in the match day squad for Marseille, but I bring him up only to talk about his performance in the uh, Europa Conference League on Thursday against Karabag. And he was phenomenal in that game, I thought. Driving at defenders, very good one-on-one, advancing the ball, defended quite well when asked to, actually. Uh, basically had everything but the end product. And so, so that was really good to see from, from Conrad. Yeah, I love his ability. I love his ability to drive. I love his one-on-ones. Um, you know, I think his shooting has improved. You know, his finishing when he cuts in, you know, at least he's, there's many times where I see him be a little bit more dangerous with those. So I love to see him playing, and I was so happy with his performance uh, in the conference. Or was that Europa? Sorry, Europa with? Europa Conrad? Conference League. It's like the, the oh, third Europa one. Conference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Europa Conference. They get me confused. Just call it the Conference League. Why do you have to call it Europa Conference? Because then you confuse me. Well, um, how are we going to know it's in Europe if it doesn't have Europa in it? Think, come on. Uh, but yeah, yeah, no, he played well, and you know, I was wondering why he didn't make the uh, the match day squad. Uh, maybe there was a knack or something. But happy to see him continuously playing well. Definitely, when he gets his time. Definitely. A um, couple more that I want to mention. I'll, I'll turn it to you. There, anybody else that you're thinking of specifically before I think that the two more big ones that we want to talk about. Um, you know, I was happy to see Cole Bassett get his debut in the 88th yeah, against, yeah. sorry, against, uh, SC Cambor in Feyenoord's 3-1 win. So that was someone I wanted to highlight. Um, also CCV, Cameron Carter Vickers, another, you know, 90 minutes for Celtic in their 3-2 win versus Dundee, who had Ian Hartz playing. So those were two players I kind of wanted to mention for me. Perfect. Um, we'll move to, to, to one of the two big ones we got left then. Brandon Aronson. Wow, is he a player on fire right now? Another goal um, in the basically the last kick of the game for Salzburg and their win over second place Wolfsburger in the Austrian Bundesliga. He just is just a man on fire right now, isn't he? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, everything he's doing now is a credit to the Philadelphia Union. Shout out the Union. So um, that's just one thing to say. But yeah, man, I mean, you mentioned it last week, his ability, and this was pretty similar with with Christian when, you know, when he was a little bit younger, his ability to arrive in the box and to, you know, like his goal this weekend was literally that. Mm-hmm. He, it was a ball played off on the left side um, behind the first striker. The second striker like missed it and it was going pretty slow. And, but somehow, some way, Brendan Aronson's right there at the perfect time, slotted home. Dude, you know, and, what, 
that's was, a skill. Yeah. I'm glad you brought it up too. Like that's an ability. That's a skill, right? We often we think of just like, oh, it's luck to be there. No, 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 no. That's about you know sensing the danger area. It's about making the run before the ball is played, and and he's just. It, I hadn't really noticed that part of this game before. Before these this last qualifying cycle, and then you know, kind of into into these last few games, and I've realized that's a huge part of his game, and I love to see it. And he, I I love watching him play when he when he gets the ball. I don't know, his back is always like hunched over a little bit, and he, he just runs so uh, interestingly. I, I I love to watch it. Dude, and the way he presses, like he is a firecracker out there. You can tell, like watching him play, Ooh. why he was in the, the top percentile for like distance covered and, and pressures made last year. So like I, he just continues to, to blow my mind in terms of he's raising, he's raising his stock. He is. He really is. I, I think he has made himself a 35, 40 million pound player. If I'm being perfectly honest with you, I think I mean, he's we were in quest- that, that value. We were questioning why Salzburg didn't take the 18 million. Um, but you know, they wanted to use him for Champions League. He looked really bright in that game. I mean, I wish they won that. Oh, he looked great against Bayern in the Champions League on Tuesday. Um, yeah, again, similar performance where he's just buzzing, 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 and it was rewarded with an assist. Um, you know, you can question if you meant it. Brendan meant it. Let's get that trending on Twitter. Hashtag Brendan meant it. Um, he definitely meant the assist, flicked it on to uh, was it Adiemi? No, it wasn't Adiyemi that he flipped uh, it on to. Amu, Amu or something. I think it was Amu. So I'm, yeah. I forget his name. He was substituted on in like the, really early on as well for the striker. Yeah. It was a great finish, though. And, you know, Brendan, just the awareness to, to flick it on to him, to drag defenders. And, hey, uh, assist against Bayern. You can't tell me many of our guys are putting up those numbers right now, which is in the champion In the Champions League. Great to see. Uh, another guy who just, you know, can't stop doing what he's doing. Is Jordan Bifok. Young boys tied 2-2 against uh, the Grasshoppers in the Swiss Super League. Yes, that's a real team. Yes, they're professionals. Uh, young boys tied 2-2 against the Grasshoppers. And Jordan Pifok with both goal involvements. Uh, I believe a penalty and then an assist. He, talk about a, a, a guy with red hot form right now. Yeah, he's a goal scorer, bro. You know, and he had an assist too. Like, um, the grasshoppers, man, they really, they really were hopping around. Um, they did a lot of hopping, a lot of hopping, but forget their hopping. PFOC is just on inform, bro. As simple as that. Right. I don't care. What, are you going to discredit the Swiss league? You're going to, you go over and play in the Swiss league and tell me, tell me how you do. Tell me if you can score 20 goals. You go over and there. I'm not. And, and I think, you know, maybe can. some of you said earlier, really, really kind of caught my ear when, when thinking about Jordan PFOC, right? Because, I know we said this last podcast, right? We kind of had this, U.S. fans tend to have this cycle with Jordan Pifak where we see him putting up these numbers. He comes in to a camp, kind of looks anonymous. We forget he exists and the cycle starts again. So maybe, you know, something you said earlier about, with reference to Tyler Adams, right? That like, it's hard to be good every time for your national team because you are, you have such limited opportunity and, you know, the, the time you spend with them is, is not very much. I think it could be an exactly identical situation here with PFOC where we just maybe might not have seen it yet at, at the U S level. And, and that doesn't mean the ability is not there, but it doesn't mean that we shouldn't keep giving him chances. Oh, for sure. For sure. Love me some PFOC. 
and yeah. you know, I think he deserves more of a role and can 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 be of influence. I mean, we don't have a striker right who's who's taken taking the role you know by storm um, just yet. You know, we obviously want that to be Ricardo or something, um, but to not have Pfock, you know, definitely someone we should have around. So. Right, right, and nobody's claiming he's he's our, our superstar, right, our savior. Similar to a Luca Della Torre, it's a situation. I think nobody's claiming he's he's going to come in and, and be a world beater, but. Give a guy a chance when he's informed, Greg. That's all we're saying. All right. Um, that kind of wraps it up for the weekend. Not many other guys I really want to touch on um, that, that I think are, are too important to the, the U.S. national team picture at the moment. So, Sumer, why don't you take us to the MLS? What's going on yeah, with the I MLS? Mean, Where are we? What are we going to do here for the next 20 minutes or so? Yeah, bro. The MLS season starts back up. This sun this Saturday, February 26th, first game, Philadelphia Union versus Minnesota United. Um, one o'clock PM. Everyone tune in. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm very excited that the MLS season is starting. It is just all it provides is more opportunities for our young Americans to show their value and mm-hmm. move over to Europe. And you know, what is, you love it. If you don't watch the MLS occasionally or even just watch certain games for certain players. Come on, man! You're you're missing you know a huge part of these guys, and you know very exciting time. And with the first game being the Philadelphia Union versus Minnesota United, I thought it might be nice to highlight some of those Union guys to watch um, in that first quite game. Quite a few, quite a few good Union players. I mean, look, when we talk about some of the best development academies in the United States, Philadelphia has to be right up there at the top. I mean, especially with with FC Dallas kind of crumbling at the seams. Right now in their in their youth academy, um, from what I've heard, yeah, Union guys. Let's jump right into it. Who are you thinking first? Who's one guy you want to highlight? I mean, you know, there's a, obviously there's a few guys, but I think you know the one guy who's really going to take a leap this year, and he's obviously a popular decision, and you know, lots of reports are coming out about him. Is Pax Aronson? Um, you know, he's 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 been talked about as coming look, looking different this offseason. He scored a goal in their preseason match. Um, Bro, he made his debut, you know, middle of the season last year in like May or June, I think it was. I was actually at the game. I saw him come on, and I was like, "Let's go!" But he's somebody I can really potentially, you know, see break off this season. He, yeah. Philadelphia Union just traded Jamiro Montero, their former ten to the San Jose Earthquakes, who was their DP. He was one of our, he was one of Philadelphia Union's three designated players, so he's an important player to the team who they right. just now offloaded. Um, they have Daniel Gazdog there, but Paxton is someone I could really could see perform well really early on and get a lot of playing time. I, you know, I rate him a lot. Rate him a no, lot. Definitely. Definitely. Um, I think Paxton, and this might be a hot take, feel free to push back. I think Paxton Aronson has a higher ceiling than his brother, Brendan. I, I, from what I've seen from Paxton Aronson, dude, he is such a technical dribbler, so good in tight spaces, and just has a genius soccer IQ and the way that he, he reads the game, the way that he is able to find space, generate space. I, I love Paxton. And I think he's going to be a, a very, very good player for the U S one day. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. You know, 14 games last season, three goals, handful of those appearances, you know, late subs off the bench, but towards the end of the season, he you know gained more of a role uh, at least towards the end of the regular season. So, you know, really excited to see how, this season turns out for him and, you know, think a lot of him. Then the next, you know, the other two Philadelphia Union players to potentially look out for young American wise for this season are Quinn Sullivan and Jack McGlynn and Jack McGlynn, you know, 
is a, if everyone knows, a little star-studded because he hit that nice celebration after scoring that penalty goal penalty for them in the playoffs. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know what the, it's like. It, I don't know how to describe it. It's like when you'd be like, I don't freaking know. But um, <laughs> that was the most ridiculous like description of something. But also the only you, thing that I can think of to describe that celebration as well. Yeah, Jack McGlynn is is more of a you know looks like a a, a ten. He's not as uh, you know technical on the ball as Paxton, but but he's workhorse who you know reminds me maybe more of Brendan, where he's you know workhorse right. gets finds the right spots can hit the shot hasn't you know scored a nice goal um from outside the box or right at the top of the box for them last season you know definitely a really you know goal scoring kind of box to box midfielder 10 for sure um for him and jack mcglynn's more of a uh, ball playing you know straight center mid you know i thought i forget with the u.s youth national team i watched him a little bit against their game against brazil i forget what tournament that was recently um but he struggles a little bit defensively you know, sometimes I sense he's a liability in defending a little bit sometimes, but still really young, but has a great vision and, you know, ability right. to pass. That's I think kind of, of the of the three Philadelphia Union central attacking slash central midfield players that we're going to mention, I think Jack McGlynn is the one where I think he needs to make the biggest step to kind of avoid slipping back in a little bit. Um, I mean, all these, all so obviously the third one that we're going to talk about, um, we haven't brought up yet, but that's Quinn Sullivan. And Quinn Sullivan for me is kind of the prototypical box-to-box eight midfielder, right? He is going to progress the ball. He's not really going to be able to play that line-breaking – he'll be able to play the line-breaking pass. He's not really going to be able to to be the guy who unlocks the key, right? He's not going to play the final ball, but he's a progressor of the ball. He's a great dribbler of the ball, and and, you know, he just kind of is going to – work hard and, and be that number eight. And I think he's, he's a guy who has kind of flown under the radar because obviously everybody's talking about Paxton and, and those who aren't talking about Paxton are talking about Jack McGlynn. But I think Quinn Sullivan has, has just as high of a ceiling as the other guys and, and could in fact potentially be a, a better player than, than somebody like Jack McGlynn as well. So what are your thoughts on, on Quinn? I, I like Quinn. Like I said, I think he's, you know, potentially has the ability to really be a really strong box to box midfielder. Uh, with a goal scoring threat, you know, similar to a Weston um, mm-hmm. or, you know, like a Brendan, but that's kind of how I see him and, you know, be excited to potentially see a lot from him. Definitely. Definitely. Um, in terms of another center mid who I know you have a, a decent amount of knowledge of being from the DC area, um, a guy who I know a lot of people are really, really excited to see how he does and kind of his first full season in the MLS, uh, and that's Moses Nyman, a center mid from DC United. It's 18 years old. Um, he only played 19 matches last season, 800 minutes in total. I like him. I really, really, really like him. There obviously are some questions we, which we can get into, but I think this could be the year for Nyman to really break out. Bro, he's you know he showed spurts, you know, periods of time where hmm. you know he's been on it and looks really strong. Uh, and, and I've always thought, oh, after these few you know, performances, maybe he'll be more in, of an integral part and then kind of drops off a little bit. And DC, you know, goes with, you know, the other players, Russell Knauss, um and, and other other center midfielders. But um, no, I love him. I love his ability. He's like a ball spraying. You know, he definitely has the ability to spray passes and he, he gets stuck in. You know, he, he's a center mid that can get stuck in he, for being as small as he is. Right. So 
I think, you know, he could be a really big part. Hopefully he gains more of an integral role with DC, but he is definitely, you know, last season it was Kevin Paredes, you know, this season for DC, it could be Moses. Definitely. He reminds me of N'Golo Kante, honestly, obviously not to the same level, but in the way that he kind of plays, he maybe buzzes around and, and, you know, his, the way that he dribbles, he just, I don't know, he, he has this, this N'Golo Kante or like almost a Marco Verratti vibe to him. I don't know if you get that coming off of Moses. Oh yeah, for sure. I definitely could see that the way he plays, you know, uh, quick turn, boom, boom, boom. Um, and just, you know, defensively mm-hmm. getting stuck in for being someone kind of small like him. Yeah, he's I, I incredibly like sure. press resistant too, which is really good to see. Yeah, he's very good on the ball, very tidy on the ball. And when he, when the, when DC United is playing out of the back, you know, he'll come and drop all the way down and receive the ball um, from the center backs to, you know, make room for, you know, maybe another center mid to check in. He, you know, he's very good, very good on the ball and wants to be on the ball. So yeah. um, I definitely, you know. definitely wanted to watch out for whether he's playing as a, as a kind of a, a holding midfielder or a box to box. I know DC United kind of use him in separate roles. I don't think they play DC United. Remind me, I believe they play with, with a dual pivot. So I think he's always on one of the sides. Um, and so never really playing as a, as a six or an eight, but uh, yeah, definitely got to watch out for in terms of somebody to really break onto the scene. Uh, anybody else you're thinking of? I know I've got a, quite a few, if you, if you don't have anything you want to bring up, but I know you got some too. So. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're just going to highlight some more, some other guys who, you know, we're expecting continued breakout seasons for, and, you know, and someone like that, I think is, you know, an obvious choice is Slonina, Gabriel Slonina, yep. Slonina on Chicago fire came onto the scene last year towards the end of the half of the season already has been called up for uh, the U S men's national team. First team, you know, the you know, rumors out the, out the wazoo for him. You know, what if we see a fire season from him this year and well, he gets a move. I mean, doubt he gets a move this season. If he has a good season this year, if he has a good season this year, I think, I think you could be looking at, at a 10 to 12 million pound move to a, a mid table Italian side. Within within twelve months, I, I I don't think that's out of the question at all. I mean, the kid's still only seventeen years old, so I mean, the potential is through the roof with this kid. Um, obviously, you know he's young, he's raw, and he, for me, needs to work on his ability with his feet. If the U.S. is is if he's you know long term going to be the answer for the U.S. and the U.S. are long term going to still want to play out of the back, um, but I mean, look, there's so much raw potential with this and. And we forget just how young 17 years is for a goalkeeper. He's oh, yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. And, and I hope so. I, you know, I hope he takes everything that he, you know, the opportunity he has in front of him. Um, like I said in the beginning, you know, love watching MLS because every team and so lots of teams have players that could be integral parts to the men's national team soon, further on, whatever. And I'm not going to lie, Chicago last season was not a team, you know, many wanted to watch. What are you going to watch it for Mauricio, Mauricio Panetta or whatever his name is, the center back, love him. But, you know, Selena is a reason I'm going to definitely tune into Chicago Fire games and hope definitely. he has a has a fire season this year. And with Shakiri there as well, maybe it'll be a little entertaining. Oh, definitely. And I'll be rooting for Big Shaq as well from a, from a former Liverpool perspective. But, um, yeah, no, look, I, I think a lot of these guys – and we'll continue on with some of the names in a second, but I think it's important to remember, like, obviously we're talking about these guys from a future standpoint, right? These are the guys who are going to be in the pipeline, who are going to be pushing our current crop. And, you know, being that transition phase, you look at look at these top sides in the world, right? Your Frances, your Spains, your Brazils. A lot of the time we're not 
talking necessarily about their 18, 19 year olds because they've got really high level players of a more mature age playing for their national teams. We don't really have that yet, right? Well, we have a lot of young people, young guys playing for our national team, but it's so important that we, you know, acknowledge some of the development of these, of these 17, 18, 19 year olds, right. Who are playing in the MLS because these are going to be the guys who are going to be that next crop. And these are the guys who it's, it's so important that, that we recognize them so that we can have that transition from decade to decade. Like you see the top sides doing and, and, not to put any pressure on these guys, obviously. Look, they're 18, and, and some of these guys might flame out next year. But something to watch out for. And and I, I can't help but be proud of the MLS and proud of these guys for getting to the stage they are. For sure. And, I mean, players move so often. Like, think about mm-hmm. last year at this time. We had no idea Tessman was going to be gone. Bella was going to be gone. Paredes was going to be gone. Busio right. was going to be gone. Bassett was going to be gone. You name it, and they go. They go fast. And, you know, someone I think is up next is Cade Cowell. Um, You you know, someone who I think could take the storm. And as we've talked about, a a, uh, Jordan Morris, Jordan Morris, you know, replacement potentially kind of thing. Yeah, Um, yeah. he is a Jordan Morris. Reminds you of that a little bit, but he's still only 18. And I think he could break off this year. Like I said about Jamiro Montero going to San Jose, I think that's a great acquisition for him. He's a, a Cape Verde center attacking mid. He has a lot of skills, so he'll have a center attacking mid behind him with you know the creativity to really work with him. I want to see Cade ball off. I want to see Cade blow up this year. I want to see him, you know, show out and um, you know show his worth. Definitely, and and I think Cade Carroll has a skill set that that often goes underappreciated in the modern game. Um, in that he is just rapid. Like, there's no two ways about it. The kid is the fastest human being I've ever seen in my life. So that's basically, like, check one on his skill set. And then everything else just kind of comes naturally to him, right? He's not the most technically gifted, but he's obviously got time um, for it to develop all of this. And, and so the biggest thing is just his athleticism. That's why he reminds me so much of a young Jordan Morris, because I, when I say this kid is is rapid, like my days. I I actually now that I'm thinking about it, I I think there's a a better comparison for him uh, yeah. than Jordan Morris, and it would be Adama Traore. Mm. Um, mm. Bro, you look at you look at Cade. Cade's built. Yes. You know he's he's built, and if he he's building on that, like he's a big boy who's rapid and just a pacey, strong forward. It reminds me if he if he you know hones hones in on the technical ability not that Adama has the best but that's who I would compare him to. Yeah, no, definitely. And I mean, look, if if Cade can make that next jump this season with you know more technical ability with with upping the end product a little bit, which we've already seen signs of that in preseason. He scored I think two goals and had one assist or three goals and one assist something like that in in San Jose's preseason. So I mean, look, there's there's signs that that this is going to be Cade Cowles here. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, jump from the West Coast to the East Coast and maybe talk a little bit about New York um, sure. in a whole, in a whole, um, you know, three players that I think, you know, from the New York teams would be obviously be Tavon Gray, you know, want him to, you know, build on. I'm, I'm not I'm not happy in my CFC one, whatever, but I'm happy that he played a part of it. I don't care if it was for injuries. So Dude. I would love to see him continue to you know progress and see you know where that could take him. Right. he's just another right back in the pipeline. Yeah. And I think there's an opportunity for Tavon Gray. 
Um, I mean, look, he's, he's only 19. He will more likely than not have the starting spot at the beginning of the season. Obviously, he broke in late last year due to an injury uh, from NYCFC's main fullback, Anton Tinnerholm. Um, so Tavon Gray only, only had around 400 minutes or so in the league. But I think, I believe Tinnerholm is still nursing that injury. Um, and so there's going to be op- an opportunity for Tavon to, to, really, to really make that position his own and, and maybe not give it back once Tinnerholm is, is fit. Uh, what do you like about, about Tavon Gray? He's a, he's a strong right back. You know, like, I mean, physically strong. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in challenges. And that's what I love to see, you know, first, probably, to be honest, I'm a biased right back, but he, you know, he's, uh, I, I do love his, his, his strength and I do love his, you know, ability to also go forward. I, you know, he, like you said, like, like we noticed, he had, he had an assist in the semifinal uh, of the MLS Cup. So, you know, I, I definitely you know, want to see more from him mm-hmm. at the age of 19 at the right back spot for an NYCFC. Definitely. Um, this, this might sound a little weird, but he strikes me as like a backboard fullback, kind of like Anthony Robinson, right? Where he's going to be wide on that right side, at least in the, in the offensive phase of play and then just facilitate distribution from a wide right standpoint. Does that make sense? A backboard fullback is that, can we coin that term? Yeah. Yeah. We used it last week. I hope everyone knows, understands it for sure. Um, you know, ability to just progress the ball, move the ball, um, you know, be that, you know, a progressive outside back who, like I said, moves the ball forward at a quick rate and they use him a lot. So I want to see him do more. And, you know, if, if Tanner Holm is still nursing that injury, I'm sorry, but, you know, Tavon Gray. Tavon, pick it your own. Uh, another guy that I yeah. want to briefly mention from New York, not NYCFC, but from Red Bull New York, uh, John Tolkien, a guy who kind of burst onto the scene last year a little bit, um, played nearly 2,000 minutes, but for some reason, nobody was really talking about him. I think he could, could have a very good season this year if, if given the chance. Um, he, one of his big things is, is he's very versatile. He can play both left back and pretty much anywhere in the midfield as long as it's in a defensive role. So that means he can play you know, as a single defensive pivot, as a dual pivot. Um, I think Red Bull kind of used him about equally in both. But he is phenomenal in tight spaces. Another guy who's just press resistant, either on the left or the right. Could have a great season. I'm excited to watch him. Yeah, bro. He played a lot last season for them, you know, from the, from the get-go. Um, and he has a little bit of, a, of an attitude to him, for sure. You know, a little, bit of, like a little bit to him. You know, I'm a fan of it. Um, I saw him live twice last season. And both times he was playing the left-back position. So... Yeah, I thought he, like you said, good in technical spaces, uh, has a little bit of a bite to him. I'm going to be honest, I hated his haircut mid, you know, mid-season gross. last year. It was gross, I, but, uh, know, it, ma- it made him seem a little bit like, a, you know, nothing against him, a little, little douchey, but as a left back, maybe I want a little bit like that. You know, give me a little bite, but beside the haircut, strong left back who could really <laughs> take off this season. Strong definitely. left back who could really take off this season. Definitely, really definitely, definitely. Um, sticking to defenders, Here's a weird one for you. What do you know about Jalen Neal? Jalen Neal is an interesting player, you know, defender for, LA Gal- defender for LA Galaxy, um, only 18 years old. Um, I, I've heard a lot of good things about him, and, you know, we're trying to just highlight different players. Um, he's someone who I think could, you know, 
I would love to see play with Douglas Costa. Uh, right. He's a center back and, you know, right footed. I, you know, I don't know a ton about him, but right. from everything I hear, he's a strong center back, six foot two, and someone who could, you know, homegrown player for LA Galaxy, who I would love to see get some good minutes this year. Do I think that, that he could play a, enough and perform high enough to potentially get a move in the summer or winter? Probably not, but someone who I expect and want to see get some, you know, 14 minute matches played type of thing. Definitely. Ten, I think ten, I kind of put him on the list. Played. I think I put him on the list because he, for me, is a guy who needs to break through, right? For both LA Galaxy and for him. LA Galaxy need him to break through to prove that their youth academy is not more than like a front. Um, and he needs to break through, obviously, because this is kind of a big season for him to, to prove if he is the guy we know he can be. Uh, Jalen is one of the most soccer IQ brilliant guys. I think I've ever seen play in the bits and pieces that I have him have seen him play at, at the, at the youth level for LA galaxy. And I would love to see him make that step. So, Hey, maybe he can do it. I hope he can do it. The youth center back pool is something that we're kind of lacking in at the moment. So any guy that comes up could be, could be fantastic. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, you know, you look at the other center backs, Kobe Henry is another center back in the U S youth national team. But um, speaking about Jalen Neal, I mean, yeah, he signed as a homegrown, you know, what was it? Did he sign when he was 16, I think? I or, believe so, yes. Yeah, and, you know, he played in the USL last season for Los Dos. And, you know, he, this is hopefully the season he makes that jump from the USL after he made 13 appearances, potentially getting, getting some minutes, getting, getting some time with them. And like know. you said, LA Galaxy has lost out on a lot of players recently um, and potentially, you know, just, you know, losing them from straight from the academy or USL level straight to Europe and not receiving any funds. Uh, you look at Alex Mendez, you look at Lanez, we're not receiving significant funds, uh, Cuervas. Um, so would like to see LA Galaxy because there's definitely a crap ton of talent over there. Right. So right. want to see it. But you do and, and but you do see Araujo and Efra. All right. You know, obviously they're not our players, but they're even they're probably gonna go to Mexico. But what's up with them? You know, are they gonna make that jump? Not to talk about Mexico players, but you know, similar to LA Galaxy players. One, you lost players for funds. Two, the players you've signed have a lot of ceiling, and Naraho is playing really well last season. But, you know, is it when is that jump going to happen? Is he gonna, right. Hopefully, hope, you know, hope for him. It might be in the summer and stuff, but, you know, I'm waiting, waiting for it. Yeah, definitely. No. And, and talking about actually West Coast center backs, now that we're on the, the topic, I want West Coast center backs who are probably going to play for Mexico. Wow. We just made a, a real transition here. Uh, not really, but uh, Tony Leone, my boy. Uh, I want so badly for him to play for the U.S. I think he's going to have a breakout season with LAFC. Uh, how likely is it? I don't know. He has already been captained by the Mexico youth team. So, look, if you're, if, especially if you're out there as a, as, as a dual nat yourself, Mexico, U.S. guy, Anthony Leone is a guy who, who is really, really somebody you're going to want to watch out for. He's going to be a player and a half. Even if he ends up going to Mexico, I'll still root for the guy. I mean, he is going to be something special. It'll be some cool for the U.S. to be able to lock him down. Yeah, I can't say, unfortunately. I know too much about him in regards other than everyone seems to, to really like how he plays as a center back, you know, and has been called up to both U.S. and Mexico national team camps. Um, um, somebody who, like you mentioned, could easily break onto the scene for LAFC, bearing, you know, seeing his, uh, you know, USL and other experience for sure. 
Um, I don't have too, too many other guys that I think are really worth pointing out. A couple of quick names that, that I, will, I will run down the list for. And then one other guy that I want to talk about um, in a little bit more detail. But uh, Noah Hall for Orlando City uh, could be somebody to watch out for. He's a good, good ball playing um, Inter-Miami, Inter-Miami. Inter-Miami, excuse me. Wow. Oh, Inter-Miami. So Noah Hall for Inter-Miami could certainly be somebody. Um, Brian Alanis, left back for Houston Dynamo. He's, a, I believe, a class of 06. So it would be something for him to break out this year. But I really kind of just wanted to put him on, on this list because it's not often we see the Houston Dynamo developing a player. So that's good to see, honestly, for them more than anything. Yeah, I, I want to say two things. One, in regards to Noah Hall, uh, Noah Hall is an outside back for Inter-Miami who recently had an assist in their preseason match. Um, you know, not expecting him to play significant minutes, but someone who we could easily see get some minutes and, you know, be start his journey of hypeness and rise to Europe potentially. Um, so. And yeah, and then in regards to Houston Dynamo, I mean, they had four four players called up to the USU 17s. Uh, pretty impressive for them. So it's good to see because we've would, long hated on the Dynamo for for really not having any US prospects come through. So it's good to see. Good to see. Uh, and then Jesus Ferreira is a guy. Obviously, we know the name, right? He is on this list because he's going to be somebody to watch. Given Pepe has left. He will be the, the face, the front man for FC Dallas. I think he's going to do well. I mean, I love Jesus Ferreira. I like the way he plays. Sumer, I know you have some, some mixed thoughts on Ferreira, but quick note on Ferreira, and then we'll touch on our last guy. I, I personally really like Ferreira. And like, I, like I've said, I think he's somebody, you know, I, I, I maybe didn't see it with the U.S., um, you know, I thought that, I thought there should have been more goal scoring prowess from him, but this could be his season. Like you, like you mentioned, with Ricardo gone, him taking over, you know, he's next to, next to our boy Paul Ariola. Um, would love to see him. You know, he's still young and in MLS. I know we're mentioning guys who are really young, and and then we bring in Jesus, um, still a young American who is in MLS, and could, we could see a breakout season from for sure. Right, I really so do. I'm expecting you know big things from him this year. Definitely. And, and I really hope he can get it done. I think this is a great opportunity for him and, and we'll see what happens. But uh, last guy that I wanted to bring up is, is a younger guy who I just think is, is somebody who is kind of right on the edge of, of bursting into this team. Reed Baker Whiting, uh, a center mid for the Seattle Sounders. I believe he's a class of 05, right? He's 16 years old. Um, but I mentioned him because he, he played four times for the Sounders last season, racked up about 300 minutes or so. And he's been linked with a ton of big clubs. Uh, Liverpool have been a club that have been have been linked. Dortmund have been a club that have been linked. Uh, he's not going to be able to go for two years to any club until he's 18 because he doesn't have his European passport. So he's at least going to be sticking around in the MLS for the next two years. But this kid might be the real deal. Yeah. I mean, I've seen him play a few times for Seattle last season. I, saw, I mean, literally just a handful of times. Um, definitely, you know, someone who could play a lot more this year uh, you know a six kind of role is what I think I saw him as yep yep yeah so he definitely can play I, that six he can play a dual eight too but I, I think his best position might be a six I mean it's hard to nail down a guy's best position when he's 16 but yeah yeah so I mean I saw that he went on trials this this offseason 
uh, as well. So, you know, excited to see what he can do this season and in a more, in a more integral role for sure. Definitely. Um, any last guys you want to bring up? I know we touched on a bunch and obviously there's, there's so many guys to watch out for. And, and basically what this conversation all boils down to is watch the MLS. There's so much young, fascinating talent in the MLS, whether or not that's American talent, Mexican talent, South American talent, so much out here, but any quick last guys you want to give a shout out to, or you know, basically touch on, on most of them. Yeah. I mean, you know, we talk, we're talking about just a few, but we, we won't, we won't talk about these guys. Just want to mention them. Daniel Edelman for New York Red Bulls um, is a young player that, you know, has broken into the ranks a little bit who I'm excited to watch a little bit more. He could be a good six. Uh, yeah. DC United has two other players who've recently in the last month been called up to us youth national teams in Jeremy Garay or gray and Jacob green, who's a defender, you know, Justin Che is somebody who I don't want to forget about with FC Dallas. Um, sorry, not Justin Che. Why did I say Justin Shea? Um, because Antonio he was Correa. with FC Dallas, and, and Justin he was. Shea is going to be a very good center back for us in the future. But, but yes. You know who I was thinking? I meant to say Antonio Carrera. That's who they just signed. Mm. Um, actually, I wanted to mention him just because he's interesting. Nico Carrera's brother, uh, who plays for Hostile in the Bundesliga. So they have a brother. I just wanted to mention that. That's why um, I brought up that. That's why I had FC Dallas in my head. But, yeah, I'm like you said, just excited to watch all the talent in MLS from all these different teams. I mean, you talk about Abubakar Keta still now with Colorado. You talk about players. There's players everywhere, you know, so. Bajar Novo with the Union. Dude, that dude's going to be a boss. Caleb Wiley with Atlanta. Um, so you know, they're, many, they're, so many guys. And, and yeah. so exciting. This is the pipeline, Sumer. This is the pipeline. This is what we're going to get going. Um. Pretty much it for today. Well, obviously, let, let's end this off, end off this, this lovely podcast in the way that, that I know you love to do with a couple spooky players. I touched on it earlier. I've got a spooky player. Do you have a spooky player for this week? I'll, I'll, I'll let you go first. I'll let you go first. Go ahead. Give your, give your spooky player. My spooky player is Dwayne Holmes. Plays for Huddersfield Town uh, in, the, in the championship. And the reason that I bring him up is because he scored a goal again because he can't stop scoring goals. He scored a goal against Anthony Robinson's Fulham uh, from midfield. Uh, he, I feel like Dwayne Holmes was somebody who was in the picture a little bit in the Dave Sarakin era and then just fell off the face of the earth. And so when I saw his name pop back into my feed a couple months ago when he scored like the first of his five goals that he scored or something like that, I was like, whoa, where did Dwayne Holmes go? And how did he get here? And that to me is a spooky player. He he definitely is 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 on the spooky spectrum. Um, you know, he has lost maybe a little bit of his spookiness in the fact that you know he ha- he was a part of the the national team, but definitely a spooky player. I uh, I saw him once with the U.S. national team. I forget what it was. Was it before like the 2019 Gold Cup or something? I think it was. Like that, um, yeah. But yeah, definitely a spooky player. My spooky player did not score this weekend and um, only played 20 minutes. But someone who I, I just I don't want people to forget about is Andrea Novakovic. Mm-hmm. And Ooh. if anyone remember, if anyone remembers, you know, um, he current he he played back in what was it? Was he in the Saracen era as well? I believe um, so. Yes, he got yeah, limited he, appearances in the Saracen era. And I wanted to see him so much more, and and I never understood why. But he, for anyone who doesn't know, was born in Wisconsin, 
um, played for Reading. That's who he was who, who he was with in England. Only played three times. So it was with them from 2015 to 2019 and had a few loans. Last loan was with Fortuna Sittard. Um, and he had nine goals in 25 appearances or 29 appearances. He's just <laughs> someone I don't want anyone to forget about. He now plays for Frizzone, if I pronounce that correctly, in the Serie B, the second division in Italy. Yep. And if you're not watching the second division in Italy, then you're not a real U.S. men's national team fan. He's scored 11 goals in 56 appearances. So start watching the right things. Start that watching. Is my spooky, that is hey, my spooky. We do need a nine. So, like, maybe maybe we could give this man another shout. I'm all, I'm all about it. Andrea Novakovic. <laughs> I'm all about it. He, he's a, he's a, I love him. I love him. He's an amazing I love person. It. I love it. Well, um, thank you all so much again for joining us on this episode of uh, Over the Bar. Our second weekly roundup will be back every Tuesday with weekly roundups until the uh, until the camp starts in, in late March. Then we're going to do some different stuff from there. But again, thank you all so much for joining us here. Follow us on Twitter at OTB underscore pod official. We're hilarious on Twitter and also just give you good news uh, when we're not listening to the podcast and not recording podcasts. So follow us on there. And Sumer, have a good weekend, man. All right, have a good hey, week. Wow, weekend. Week. <laughs> Peace out. Later.